Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. Give them a call. Johnson'sAirConditioning.com is the website. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is LifeInNaples.net. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll continue our conversation about gun control and the Second Amendment. So uh, irrelevant today, uh, the Supreme Court is taking up a case on concealed carry. So we'll talk to him about that as well. Andrew Droppa is a professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of so many books. His latest is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. It is April the 28th, and on this day in 1789, three weeks into a journey from Tahiti to the West Indies, the HMS Bounty was seized in a mutiny led by Fletcher Christian, the master's mate, Captain William Bly. Doesn't that sound like an evil name? And his 18 uh, loyal supporters were set adrift in a small open boat, and the bounty set course for Dubai, uh, south of Tahiti. In December of 1787, the bounty left England for Tahiti in the South Pacific, where it was to collect a cargo of breadfruit saplings to transport to the West Indies. There, the breadfruits would be served as food for slaves after a 10-month journey. The bounty arrived in Tahiti in October 1788 and remained there for more than five months. On Tahiti, the crew enjoyed an idyllic life reveling in the comfortable climate, lush surroundings, and the famous hospitality of the Tahitians. Fletcher Christian fell in love with a Tahitian woman, and on April the 4th, 1789, the bounty departed Tahiti with its store of breadfruit saplings. On April the 28th, near the island of Tonga, Christian and 25 petty officers and seamen seized the ship. Bly, who eventually would fall prey to a total of three mutinies in his career, was an oppressive commander and insulted those under him. By setting him adrift in the overcrowded 23-foot-long boat in the middle of the Pacific, Christian and his conspirators had apparently handed him his death sentence. By remarkable seamanship, however, Bly and his men reached Timur in the East Indies on June the 14th, 1789, after a voyage of 3,600 miles in a 23-foot boat. Bly returned to England and soon sailed again to Tahiti, from where he successfully transported the breadfruit trees to the West Indies. Meanwhile, Christian and his men attempted to establish themselves in the island of Dubai. Uh, Unsuccessful in their colonizing uh, colonizing effort, the bounty sailed north to Tahiti. Sixteen crewmen decided to stay there despite the risk of capture by the British authorities. Christian and his eight others, uh, together with six Tahitian men, a dozen Tahitian women, and a, and a child, decided to search the South Pacific for a safe haven. In January 1790, the bounty settled on Pitcairn Island, an isolated, uninhabited volcanic island more than a thousand miles east of Tahiti. The mutineers who remained on Tahiti were captured and taken back to England, where they were hanged. <laughs> a British ship uh, searched for Christian and the others, but did not find them. In 1808, an American whaling vessel was drawn to Pitcairn by smoke from a cooking fire. The Americans discovered a community of children and women led by John Adams, the sole survivor of the original nine mutineers. According to Adams, after settling on Pitcairn, the uh, colonists had stripped and burned the bounty. An internal strife and sickness had led to the death of Fletcher and all of his men but him. In 1825, a British ship arrived and formally granted Adams amnesty, and he served as patriarch of the Pitcairn community until his death in 1829. An unbelievable story. In 1831, the Pitcairn Islanders were resettled on Tahiti, but unsatisfied with their life there and soon returned to their native island. In 1838, the Pitcairn Islands, which includes three nearby uninhabited islands, were incorporated in the British Empire. By 1855, Pitcairn's population had grown to nearly 200, and the two-square-mile island could not sustain its residents. In 1856, the islanders were removed to Norfolk Island, a former penal colony, nearly 4,000 miles to the west. However, less than two years later, 17 of the islands returned to Pitcairn, followed by more families in 1864. Today, just a few dozen live on Pitcairn Island, and all but a handful are descendants of the Bounty Mutineers. Think of that. 
about a thousand residents of Norfolk Island, half its population, traced their lineage from Fletcher Christian and the eight other British soldiers. What an incredible story. You can't make that up. The fascinating true story of mutiny on the bounty. Well, the Florida Department of Health reported 89 new cases. That's COVID and five additional deaths in Cuyahoga County on Tuesday. The moving seven-day new case average is 87 through Monday. So we're right on average there. As of approximately 2 p.m. on Tuesday, there are 54 COVID-19 patients in Cuyahoga County hospitals. Plenty of beds available. If you get COVID, you can go to the hospital. Well, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued updating guidance for fully vaccinated persons on Tuesday, recommending they continue to take precautions such as wearing a well-fitted mask while indoor and public settings. Uh, While the agency said full vaccinating people would generally no longer need masks outside, the recommendation came with a significant caveat, except in certain crowded settings and venues, recommending them to continue to avoid large public gatherings altogether. This is just bizarre guidance from the CDC. I'm not sure it's relevant. We're here all unmasked and uh, living in Florida, South Florida, in Collier County, very comfortably. Unless you plan on traveling outside of Florida, this guidance is pretty much irrelevant. But it's it's, it's just a shame that the CDC seems to have so much power and authority over our behavior. Dr. Fauci said Monday that Americans should be getting to see the turning point in COVID-19 pandemic within a few weeks. Upon what he's basing that, I have no idea, and I suspect he doesn't either. But that's his proclamation. We'll soon be getting over this pandemic in a few weeks, he said. A medical examiner, uh, professor, lauded Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for his knowledge of the coronavirus, saying most epidemiologists don't know the literature as well as he does. That's a pretty bold statement. He could go up against uh, an epidemiologist, he said, on the uh, Tom Woods show. I mean, most... Uh, epidemiologists don't know the literature as well as he does. I mean, I just, I don't have the words. It's just been, I'm still stunned by it. He said he was speechless. I didn't know anything about him actually before, you know, basically in September. Really, I've just been very impressed. Uh, He also spoke with Republican governor in September and called him extraordinary and unlike any other politician because how well-versed he was with the data on coronavirus. Pretty impressive credentials coming from Uh, a major doctor from Stanford. Well, a pill can be ingested orally at home to combat coronavirus when the illness is first detected, could be available to the public by the end of 2021. Pfizer CEO uh, Borla, Albert Borla, said, noting the antiviral treatment is expected to also be effective against variants of the virus. Pfizer developed the first uh, first authorized COVID-19 vaccine in the U.S. along with German drug maker uh, BioNTech. The antiviral pill is part of a class of medicines called protease inhibitors and works by inhibiting the enzyme that virus needs to replicate in human cells. Protease inhibitors are also used to treat other viral pathogens such as HIV and hepatitis C. So uh, if you're a little hesitant about the... uh, shots in the arm, you might want to think about this pill that can be adjusted. If you have symptoms, you could just go ahead and take the pill. That's kind of interesting, huh? Well, confidence in the U.S. economy has recovered almost to pre-pandemic levels. The conference board's monthly read of U.S. consumers showed on Tuesday. This was the fourth straight monthly improvement in consumer confidence and, and far above expectations. Analysts had forecast a rise to 112 from 109.7 last month. Instead, the index jumped to 121.7, the highest since February of last year, right before the pandemic took hold of the country. The share of consumers saying jobs are plentiful rose from 26% to 37%, while those claiming jobs are hard to get declined from 18% to 13%. That's quite astounding when you reflect on the fact that the federal officials believe there may be as soon as as many as 10 million Americans unemployed, greater than 17 million are now collecting some form of jobless benefits, and the official unemployment rate is 6%. So what's going on? Tillman uh, Fertitta, whose role at the head of a giant restaurant and hotel uh, business, says that the people are receiving so much unemployment that it doesn't make sense to go back to work. Our problem running at 6 or 7% unemployment is that six to seven percent doesn't want of the people don't want a job? 
So you can uh, get a job in any industry you want, basically, right now, he said. I read that McDonald's is paying $50 just if you come in for an interview someplace in southwest Florida. The artificial shortage of workers preventing businesses from, from expanding, and indeed it is complaint manufacturing businesses have been raising across the country. So these unemployment benefits, you know, are creating this dependency uh, state, which kind of feeds right into the agenda of the Democrat Party. It's really a shame. Since the Federal Reserve's dual mandate is maximum employment and price stability, it might want to speak to up about this situation. Certainly Fed Chairman uh, Powell should at least be asking his post-FOMC meeting press conference Wednesday about the possibility that enhanced unemployment benefits are hindering the Fed's ability to meet its mandate. It's probably a question Powell won't answer, but it doesn't mean he shouldn't be given the opportunity. So interesting. This segment of the show brought to you uh, by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Levy. He is a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Andy Joppa. He's a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. He's an author. He's also a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. For our listeners' benefit, tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. That's C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. So, in the last couple of sessions on a weekly basis, we've been talking about gun control and the Second Amendment. Big thing, announcement came up. The Supreme Court is taking up a concealed carry case. 
Apparently from the state of New York. It sounds like a big deal. Can you comment? Yeah, we have to first go back a couple of years to 2019, and there was a case in New York called New York State Rifle and Pistol versus City of New York. Uh, under New York City regulations, in order to transport a gun, you had to have a premises license that allowed you to go only to seven ranges within pistol ranges within New York City. So, you know, that was a constructive ban on the possession of firearms outside the home. And that applied even if the gun was unloaded, even if it was transported in a locked box, even if you were going to a second home that you that you owned, or even if you were taking it uh, out of state. So everybody thought this was sort of low-hanging fruit for the court. Mm. Uh, the court would have an opportunity to hold that bare arms, keeping bare arms, meant you could carry outside the home. Yeah. And that would have triggered a major overhaul of uh, a lot of state and local regulations. But then New York, sensing that they were going to lose that case, passed a new regulation that allowed you to transport to a second home or out of state. And then New York asked the court to moot the case, that is, to declare the case no longer relevant since they changed the law. Mm. And the Supreme Court went ahead and did that over a dissent by Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch, who accused New York of trying to manipulate uh, the court. So, you know, it's been 13 years since the Heller case and 11 years since the McDonald case uh, that said the Second Amendment was applicable to the states. And meanwhile, the court has these murky guidelines, and there have been circuit court opinions all over the lot. Uh And the Supreme Court, until this week, has refused to step in. In fact, the court denied cert in about 10 different uh, cases. But now we have Amy Coney Barrett joining the court, along with Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, and there is this other big case brewing, the first case with the new 6-3 conservative court, and this case is New York State Rifle and Pistol versus Corlett. And this is an NRA-backed challenge to a law dating from 1913 huh. that require you to have a special need if you wanted to conceal carry. So two persons got permits to carry if they were going to target practice or if they were going to hunt, but not if they wanted the gun for self-defense. Why? Because they couldn't prove that they were especially at risk, and that's what the court is going to decide. Very big case on concealed carry. Yeah, and it sounds like the justices are signaling that they're supportive of concealed concealed carry. I think so. It takes four justices to grant cert, and there are six conservatives on the court. Nobody quite knows where Justice Roberts stands, but the expectation is that the other five conservatives are likely to favor the right to carry. And well, we will see. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably find out in June, I guess, but uh, maybe sooner. I'm not sure, but uh, that's so interesting, Bob. Thanks for the clarification on that. So, you know, former Supreme Court Justice John, uh, John Paul Stevens apparently recommended repealing the Second Amendment. Was he serious in that proposal? Yeah, it was serious. It was also counterproductive and totally irresponsible. You know, the NRA used to cite this pronouncement by the guy who founded the Brady Center, and the quote was, the first problem is to slow down the number of handguns being sold. The second problem is to get handguns registered. The final problem is to make possession totally illegal. Uh. So there was the proof, said the NRA, that liberals just want to get rid of our guns and kill the Second Amendment. And that narrative had traction among hardcore gun rights people. But, you know, then came the Heller case. And it sort of diffused that argument by affirming that the Second Amendment is here to stay and it secures a fundamental individual right. Along comes Justice Stevens. And by the way, he was, you know, for a lot of years, the intellectual leader of the liberal wing of the court. Mm. And he breathes new life into this uh, NRA storyline. So, you know, what better evidence do we have that the left wants a gun Free America. We have this liberal icon who's actually calling for repeal 
of the Second Amendment. That's a proposal that will never be implemented. Remember that we have open carry in 44 states in this country. And if it were implemented, it would likely incite riots, sort of like if Roe v. Wade were were reversed. It's that high a profile. And it it would have little effect even if it were uh, adopted. The Second Amendment doesn't prevent the states from enacting reasonable regulations. And if you repeal the Second Amendment, that wouldn't prevent the states from allowing, for example, assault weapons or high-capacity magazines if they wanted to. So essentially, it's state law and not the Second Amendment that calls the shots on the ground. That is so interesting, Bob. By the way, I I believe Florida is one of the states that doesn't allow, uh, one of the six states that uh, doesn't allow open carry. So it's... (laughs) Hopefully, will be addressed by the legislature sometime. And it's so interesting. Yeah, of course, if you don't allow open, but you do allow concealed, uh, that probably would pass muster. What is the real problem if you don't allow either? Well, uh, you know, but uh, I've always wondered though if you have a concealed carry permit, carry a gun here in Florida, but brandish it in a in a, in a moment of danger, have you broken the law? Yeah, well, that's an interesting legal question. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that one. I think it depends on the facts. At the time. Right. So if uh, state laws are what matters, then what's the role of the Second Amendment? Well, it prevents government from constructively banning a large class of weapons that are in common use for lawful purposes. That's what they did in D.C. until the Heller case. And that's what they did in Chicago Chicago, until the McDonald case. And that's what they've done in a few other uh, localities. And that's what would happen again if the Second Amendment were to be repealed. And that's why the, the NRA's you know, slippery slope uh, argument still resonates with millions uh, of gun owners. So interesting. Uh, let's turn to the data on uh, gun-related violence, uh, starting with school shootings. In October of 2017, Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut claimed there were already more mass shootings that, you know, than days in the year. Could he possibly be right? Well, Nobody quite knows because the definition is, who knows, the FBI defines a mass murder as four or more victims slain in one event in one location. So using that definition, Congressional Research Service reported, for example, from 1999 through 2013, there were an average of 21 mass shootings uh, in the U.S. each year. Other sources have reported somewhat more in in recent years. Um, Now, some of those killings are within a family, Mm -hmm. and some are associated with drug deals Mm -hmm. and gang warfare. So only a few of them are these mass public shootings like we had at Parkland uh, in Florida. So I I don't mean to trivialize Parkland, of course, but some of the rhetoric has been grossly overblown. I think it's interesting to remember that 17 people were murdered in Parkland, Florida, in a mass shooting. 17 people are murdered in downtown Chicago every two weeks. Yeah. So, you know, the good news is that since peaking in the early 1990s, uh, gun homicide is way down, and overall gun crime victimization is way down. School shootings are also down. So during that same period, our gun supply grew enormously, and now there's more than one gun per person in the United States. So guns are way up, gun killings are way down. It doesn't suggest that the number of guns uh, is the problem. And what I heard a statistic, 450 million guns in the United States, that's 331 million citizens. That's, that's yeah. a pretty incredible number. Uh, but, but nevertheless, uh, you, the rhetoric coming from the left is we want to get rid of uh, the Second Amendment. Right. Bob, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Again, the website is cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. I hope you check it out. Thank you so much for joining us, Bob. Great being with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blueprint.
Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I'm proud of serving their board. And just one of their initiatives is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. The exact opposite objective of the Biden administration. But nevertheless, uh, I hope you'll visit the website, thefga.org. Coming up, going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now, we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. Hey, I understand that you gave a presentation to the Estero Republican Club uh, yesterday. How'd it go? Well, it went very well, and uh, as you're aware, I, I've been, perhaps not, but I've been turning down invitations to, to speak because of my back, but they, they ran into a bind as their scheduled speaker had to cancel about a week ago, so they asked me to, uh, to come up there, and uh, so I, I, I made that investment in, uh, in, their, in their cause. Uh, let me first of all give a shout out to the head of that group. That's uh, Adela Miko, which was just an, an amazing powerhouse of a woman. And uh, also up there was the head of the uh, Republicans group here in the women's group in, uh, in Naples, and that's Diane Van Paris. And uh, these are these are incredible women who drive just a uh, remarkably energized process for uh, for America, for the Republican Party, and and for the future. So uh, these these are impressive people, and I think we have to acknowledge the the time and effort they put in. Uh, as a subset of that issue, uh, they, that is their Republican Club is no longer the Republican Club; it's now the Republic Club. Huh. Uh, once again, the Republican Party in Lee County, uh, not perhaps not once again, but at least this time, have shot themselves in the foot by withdrawing the certification of that group for the simple reason that uh, the group is not willing to open up their database to the Republican Party. They felt they felt the information was privy, so they withdrew the certification. That hasn't changed their their activities or their actions or their commitment, but uh, it shows, again, I think, a Republican Party that in, in too many cases seems to be trite rather than significant. So huh. um, let, let's hope that th these groups prevail rather than the uh, the elitists who run these, these other uh, formalized political uh, organizations. Um, I found it interesting, again, uh, your audience may not, but I do, I now have 30 undelivered speeches. What, what does that mean? I prepare extensively to make presentations at these groups uh, and inevitably what happens Bob is it gets uh, I get thrown into issues and I'm not I'm not complaining about that that's perhaps my forte uh, but I, I, I very seldom get to my speech so last night an hour and a half of issues and I never got my speech delivered so <laughs> I, I get 
the question, I guess, becomes, uh, let me talk about that group a little bit. A uh, hundred plus people, 20 new members. Very impressive. This is a uh. group that's growing and expanding. Uh, no one had a mask on. Very enthusiastic and very knowledgeable. So, uh, uh, again, I'm always encouraged when I get in front of a group with, with that level of enthusiasm and, and that level of commitment. Yep. Uh, plus, all of these groups, the, the two I alluded to, are, are deeply involved with, uh, with charity work. So, they, they are not merely political organizations dedicated to cause. They are they are people with a larger social social purpose, and they they fulfill that. So uh, I'm always amazed at the energy they, they bring to the table. So wow, again, Adela Miko and Diane Vampire is very very remarkable women. Well, I'm happy you uh, cited them and acknowledged them. You obviously had developed a tremendous amount of energy as a result of the presentation. So uh, tell us about some of the content. Well, let me just pick out topics, and uh, this will not have any continuity, but uh, we talked a lot about about schools, and I try to focus on topics where there's perhaps a little misunderstanding as to the issue, and I, I think in terms of the public schools particularly, that is uh, a misunderstanding that I think is uh, is an important misunderstanding in the sense that it, it distorts the way the schools are approached. I, I made the simple point that the purpose of the public schools is not to produce a better life for the child. I'm saying that that isn't the primary purpose. That's a vehicle to a primary purpose. The primary purpose of the public schools is to produce uh, a quality citizen. That is why they're there. If they do not produce quality citizens, then their whole function is, is purposeless. So, you know, I think we talk uh, in, increasingly about it. It's about uh, creating vocational outcomes for a child and a better life for the child. And I have no laments about that, but let's Let's understand that the major purpose of the public schools and why it gets funded by the general taxpayer is because it provides a, an environment of, of quality citizens. Uh, at this point, I think in general, uh, the comment can be made that that particular uh, primary benefit is not being realized. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to get back to the basics of understanding yep. that it's citizenship that should be reinforced in the public schools. And, and as, a, as a vehicle towards that end, knowledge is, is, is obviously an inseparable part of So Absolutely. talk a lot about schools. Yeah, I mean, and of course, there's barriers to making them uh, kids good citizens right now. And in fact, the uh, propaganda that's being taught in schools right now, including the 1619 Project, uh, the White's, uh, the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, white, well, I forgot the word now, term. White, white privilege. White privilege. Uh, all this stuff that basically saying you shouldn't feel good about yourself and this country stinks. I mean, that's the basic message of the propaganda that's being taught. No wonder the kids are, wake, are, are arriving, uh, getting their diploma and uh, joining Black Lives Matter and other types of hate groups that uh, it's just a shame. Well, as the Jesuits always say, Bob, if you give me a child to the age of seven, I'll have him for a lifetime. So yeah. uh, the, the left knows and completely understands that if the indoctrination starts in the earlier grades of the public school system, uh, once that, uh, that scarring is done to the, uh, to the synapses of their brains, then it becomes a, a, almost an uh, irremovable permanent fixture. So uh, not only the things you've alluded to, which we did talk about, the 1619 Project, critical race theory being... Uh, deeply woven into the school's uh, support of the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, uh, but also one of Biden's, perhaps his first move coming into the presidency, was the elimination of the 1776 Commission, Yes, uh, which all it did was lay out the real history of the United States. The real history of the United States did not start in 1619. Right. The his history of this country started in 1776, right. uh, and so that's what the 1776 Commission tried to lay out, and uh, Biden, Biden just eliminated that. So I made the extended point that if we can't affect the quality of what happens in the public schools, then almost everything else that we, we hope for is going to have a limited chance of fulfillment. These are all uh, concepts that require an open mind. I'm not saying an ideologically committed mind, but an open mind. And if the Constitution is, is once again going to have the, the impact, the influence, the hegemony that it should, uh, it will never happen it, it, to a closed-minded person. Uh, as uh, John Adams, I, I believe, that's, I think it was John Adams, yes, uh, that said that uh, the Constitution is a wonderful document, but it's only fit for a moral and legal people. Uh, then the question becomes one, are we producing moral and legally-minded people? And I think the answer has to be, uh, in general, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, you know, I mean, some... 
uh, because of good parenting and a number of other outside factors, just a number of kids that could grow up and actually become great citizens and leaders and so forth. But right now, our school system is not enhancing that. They're actually inhibiting that by uh, the, all the things that you've cited here. Uh, Andy, I'd like to talk to you more about these subjects. Can you stick around? I will be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the uh, Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. I have to pot up my microphone before I talk. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us here on the show, uh, which brought to you by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, and, of course, building a performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now, we continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College, and he just gave a presentation last night to the Estero uh, Republican, or Republic Club, I should say. Yes. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So tell us about some of the other topics that you discussed. Well, uh, let me, I'm going to talk about a cultural turning point, but let me get to another issue quickly before that. The Supreme Court is going to be taking up the uh, the issue of whether or not there's a um, a right to bear arms outside of your own home. Now, uh, the point I made last night, and I think it's an important point. I never understand why people don't make this point. The federal government has no province at all in the area of gun control. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that the the Second Amendment lays it out is only a reinforcement of the fact that the government has no role to play in that area. Uh, there's a distortion in general where people think that the Constitution grants rights. The Constitution does not grant rights. Right. We have the rights. The Constitution creates very limited areas in which the government can operate. One of them is not the issue of gun control. Right. So that could be a Tenth Amendment states issue, but it certainly is not within the province of government. Uh, and I, I have talked to the head of the NRA about that issue. I'm, I'm Never, uh, I never understand why they haven't made that simple point. If we go back to the origin of the, the Bill of Rights, there were uh, the anti-Feds wanted it. The anti-Federalists wanted the Bill of Rights just for surety. That's all, not, not to create the right, but just for surety that it exists. But the Feds did not want the Bill of Rights. And the question becomes one, why? Because they felt in the future someone would take those Bill of Rights and use it as a mechanism to... Uh, 
create the presumption that the government had a right to operate there and that the only way that right could be fulfilled was within the wording of the, the Bill of Rights. So if you look at the Second Amendment and the word militia, we can see how that word has been used constantly as an attempt to mm -hmm. suppress the the right to bear arms. Mm -hmm. So my basic point to the audience last w night was, no, the federal government has no right in this area. The Supreme Court has no right to operate in that area. So obviously a very controversial point, although I don't see it that way, and yet one that I, I believe is, is seldom uh, made, if, if ever. By so, me. Andy, uh, is the uh, Supreme Court overstepping its bounds by taking a look at concealed carry from in New York? About the what, Bob? I missed that. Uh, about uh, is the Supreme Court overstepping its bounds by considering this case concealed carry for in New York? In, in my estimation, yes, and and I I don't hear that point being made. But I, as I say, as a as a collective statement, I don't believe the federal government has any role to play in the area of gun control. Mm -hmm. It's not listed as one of the enumerated powers. It's not suggested. And by the way, the the uh, the, the founding fathers, in terms and the the creators of the Constitution went out of their way to ensure that that was not within the domain of the federal government. And yet it is obviously always placed there. So yet to answer your question, yes, it is outside of their province to, to be involved with that. Uh, let me just make a quick um, uh, move into uh, a positive area that came up last night. It was and I'm always looking for something that will give me some hope that our culture is, is changing, <laughs> moving in the right direction. You, you know that's my, my topic. So I, I think there are some things. They're, they're marginal and they're minimal, but uh, they might matter. Uh, Tyler Perry at the Academy Awards, and I didn't watch the Academy Awards. I don't think anybody did, by the way. Right. But Tyler Perry, you know, uh, apparently a decent man by, by all measurements. But he said, don't, don't hate don't hate anyone. Don't hate blacks. Don't hate women. Don't hate whites. Don't hate the police. So he was making this to an audience that certainly was probably not in agreement with him, especially about the, uh, the remarks about don't hate the police. But to me, that was a very positive sign that that public statement was made at the Academy Awards. Hmm. Bill Maher came out with a comment that uh, where he excoriated the millennials for some of their absurd positions on capitalism and socialism and the, the funding of the police. So yeah. here you have someone that is generally considered to be on the far left, Bill Maher, who is, who is attacking these, what he regarded as outrageous positions being taken by millennials. In fact, and, Andy, and another, Andy, if I might mention, he also he he concluded his comments by saying the problem is that your ideas are stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> he didn't mince words. That was that was the bottom line. Yeah. So I'm, um, but and, and but these are important movements forward. We also we also heard in this past week uh, even Chris Cuomo and Don Lamone uh, indicating that the shooting of the the Bryant girl, as regrettable as it is was um was certainly a, a a good shooting you know no shooting is good but in the case of legality this was a good shooting yeah. so to hear chris cuomo and don lamone moving in that direction uh I, I thought it may it may indicate a shifting tide of how uh, of how america's culture may be moving so i don't want to become unduly optimistic it's not my style but but these may be real shifts that are taking place at this point bob uh, if, to, make, to be clear are you suggesting that cuomo uh, supported the acts of the uh, police person, uh, the officer? That may be too strong. What they indicated that there was no reason to believe that this shooting was a bad shooting. Oh. So which uh, a tantamount to what you're saying. Uh, they were not dramatic in, in their comments, but uh, they both, uh, in a joint uh, statement they were making on, on uh, CNN, indicated that this was, a, this was a, a good shooting as they reviewed the footage uh, and they came up with that conclusion, which was inescapable to any fair-minded person. And yet, CNN consistently has ignored right. that standard, which is to a fair-minded person. In this case, they did that. And well, that's that's a positive step forward. Well, that, that is news. Right. I appreciate you sharing that with us, Andy. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I think it matters. Yeah. Uh, I think if we can see more of that kind of thing and... Uh, then my optimism, my optimism will will increase. Of course, there's my my pessimism grows uh, as I I heard that uh, this is something we talked about. The Chinese government, for all practical purposes, the CCP has bought 140,000 acres in Texas uh, on the Rio Grande, contiguous with Lackland Air Force Base. So here you have the the Chinese government owning an area that is roughly the size of Rhode Island, um, that's, that's an exaggeration, but a huge 140,000 acre plot uh, contiguous with Lackland Air Force Base in, in southern Texas. So uh, to me, that's uh, 
an allowance that should not have, have taken place. So, That's interesting. Uh, those, you know, uh, actually, I think Rhode Island is 77,000 acres. It's actually twice the size of Rhode Island, if I'm not well, mistaken. Well, then I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying not, not to exaggerate, and I, I apparently under-exaggerated. So. Um, if, if these, these are things, if we look back to the, uh, the circumstance where, uh, where Hillary Clinton uh, authorized, at least signed on for authorization of the release of about approximately uh, one-fifth of our nuclear uh, facilities, uh, not facilities, but uh, nuclear material capabilities, uh, to Russia, it, it, it's tantamount to this process. We can go back to the Bill Clinton uh, era where he released uh, what was uh, top secret information, uh, technological information to the Chinese in 1995-96. So if, if our government does not start protecting us, protecting our, our property, our physical land, our, our, our ideas, our, our resources, uh, then I, I think we're, we're going to be in, in deepening trouble as time goes on, Bob. So interesting. Andy Joppa, again, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, I always appreciate your well-informed commentary here on the show. Generally appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. And once again, I didn't get to make my speech. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy, thank you. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Larry Bell. Larry Bell is an is endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Now, that's no small achievement because he was really a part of the major space program back when it was booming in the 60s and 70s. Uh, he's also uh, an author. He's written several books. His latest is What Makes America, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. It's a great read. I've read it. And then he also writes a column for Newsmax. Uh, more than once a week, his latest is Obama Chief Scientist Cools on Climate Crisis. We're going to talk about that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Larry Bell. As I mentioned before the break, he's endowed professor at the University of Houston. He's an author of several books. His latest is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. It's a great read. Let me repeat that. What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. Uh, take a look at, at, at your bookstore. Check it out. He also writes this column for uh, Newsmax. It's called On Point. Professor Bell, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. It's always a great pleasure. Well, thank you, Professor. I really, I, I, I chose 
one of your columns of this week, Obama Chief Scientist Cools on Climate Crisis, I think a timely topic, considering that <laughs> our president was all masked up, Me, uh, doing a, a Zoom call with a bunch of folks, including young people who have probably no business or knowledge about this, about uh, the climate crisis. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I think you know my thoughts pretty well. Yes, uh, I do, Professor. <laughs> I, I, wrote, I wrote my first book on this about 12, 15 years ago, I guess maybe about 12 years ago, Climate of Corruption, the Politics and Power Behind the Global Warming Hoax. And at that time, you know, it was, uh, it was kind of a blasphemous book because, uh, you know, Al Gore was riding his steed, you know, and he was, you know, everything, the earth was on fire and, you know, the oceans are going to, flood, you know, Washington, D.C., and so on, and mm-hmm. and his book, Inconvenient Truth, his movie had come out, and so on, and, and I had dedicated the book to uh, Al Gore, whose invention of the Internet made this book possible, and whose invention of facts made it necessary, <laughs> and, and that wasn't, uh, a lot of the publishers didn't think that was very funny, and, and they were mostly on the East Coast and West Coast, and mm-hmm. uh, so this was pretty radical to suggest this. And then uh, subsequently I wrote another book uh, a couple years later that actually some of my client buddies, my climate buddies, uh, asked me to write and and, uh, and uh, scared witless prophets and prophets of climate doom. But what a, the reason I mention this is that uh, so many of my scientific friends, and, and I have quite a number of them. In fact, I had a Zoom conference with a bunch of them yesterday, and, and uh, it's kind of this notion, well, gee, why don't they understand? Why don't they look at the facts? Why don't, you know, why don't, why didn't, you know, why, why don't, why don't they understand that there's no crisis? And these are astrophysicists and people from MIT and, and uh, Princeton and so on, and they're really credentialed. And I said, because it's never been about science. It's always been about politics. Mm-hmm. It's always been about the uh, UN and it's, you know, it's, the climate is one thing that goes across all, all boundaries, and so you can, you know, you can uh, talk about wealth uh, redistribution because we're, you know, we're hurting the climate, so we should we should help developing countries and so on, and give them a lot of money their their oligarchs can put in their pockets and so on, and and it's it's always been about agenda. It's always been driven by agendas. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in their own words, you, you can hear what, they, what they've said, things that have been quoted. And uh, so, you know, and a lot of these things are just easy to document. They say, you know, there's more extreme weather and it's getting, you know, more uh, more frequent, more severe and so on. And I said, just look at, look at the weather records and say, no, that's not true. I mean, that's all documented. And, you know, it's a Galveston uh, hurricane that struck the you know, Turn of the last century uh, struck today. There would have been maybe it killed twelve thousand people. It probably would have killed one hundred twenty thousand people because of people have moved to the coasts and, mm-hmm. and and of course everybody's got you know cameras now. So if there's a you know an event, you know it's going to be on it's going to be on somebody's you know video and so on. So, and so and, and statistically you can't you can barely measure the changes and. And you know they're in the noise level in terms of statistics, and Kunin mentions this in his article, Stephen Stephen Kunin, and, and now isn't he the isn't he the uh, former uh, client guy for Obama? I, I think part of your colleague. Yeah, he was he was uh, he was he was the uh, chief scientist for the energy department, mm-hmm. and he's got the reason uh, he's significant is because you know he's got good credentials, you know. Uh, he's got a lot of good academic credentials, uh, uh, and also in the corporate sector. Uh, and, uh, he's a physicist, and and uh, you know, he, he he was uh, he did an analysis for the defense for the defense department, and and uh, he he taught he taught physics at Caltech for three decades, and you know he worked for British Petroleum and sort of got there. Got them rebranded as Beyond Petroleum, and so on. so he's got all the right kind of credentials that I respect as a as a as a, as a technically oriented guy, and and so uh, it came as a little surprise that that he was uh, he had the view he has, which is to say, you know, there's 
you know, this is uh, so so overblown and so and so irrelevant. And and you can imagine, Bob, how the Jap- the Chinese must just be chortling over how stupid we are. Yeah, and we're going to, based on all this, we're going to, you know, we're going to kill our energy independence, mm-hmm. and we're going to we're going to build a whole lot of windows and sun sunbeam operated. You know, and not operating systems, and and then put a lot of electric cars in the grid so they can they can sell their, their you know their rare earth materials to us and keep us hostage. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely insane. Insane. Uh, do, you, but, uh, do you think? You know, the, prefer- you know, the, it, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, over 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 a non issue, and uh, and meanwhile they're building they're building coal plants up the Gazoo, and, and so is India, and. and and uh, you know it is insane what what, what we're doing, and uh, it's kind of like COVID. You know, I see people riding in their cars with their masks on. You know, and I think <laughs> it's it's kind of the same religion. Yeah. Only only or maybe it was an you know, older one. You know, with the climate thing, where where it's it's an article of faith. It's a religion that we're we're doomed, and, and unless we you know pay you know pay penance to you know to to the global you know world and. And, and kill our, you know, kill our energy systems. You know, we're doomed. Our SUV is going to kill more polar bears. Our children are going to hold us, you know, guilty for, you know, for eternity. <laughs> and we're doomed. For, professor, you know, I just wonder though if this isn't the predicate to, trying to set the pins for a support of this uh, globalism agenda twenty one. You know. Uh, uh, that's predicate for share the wealth, make sure that nobody's poor in the globe, and uh, having a one gun uh, government that runs everything. Uh, that worries me. I think that's this. This seems to be what the uh, Democrat Party is moving towards. Well, I think exactly what it is. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's absolutely exactly what it is, and this it's this this notion that uh, you know that um, this Mao's love, this this notion that you know we're going to. Uh, we, we need to reduce population, and we and uh, we need to cut back on you know energy con- consumption, and and kind of you know go back to an agrarian society where everybody I guess grows their gardens, and and it ain't going to help. In fact, this, it would make things tremendously worse because you know agriculture today is is uh, is really an amazing thing, and and we feed so many people on such small amounts of, of land, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, but the carbon thing is, is to me, an eye bleeder because carbon dioxide is what makes plants grow, and and basically, uh, you know, the the any any human measurement on on you know, in terms of uh, our contribution to you know to carbon dioxide. First of all, it's, it's you know carbon dioxide is four one hundredths of one percent of the atmosphere, of which you know humans pr- you know produce three percent of that four one hundredths of one percent. Hmm. And and so it's it's barely a trace gas, and the conversation we had yesterday on the Zoom conference, which wasn't the first time, is that we don't know if carbon dioxide in that because it's so dynamic these these systems, whether it's it uh, it has a warming effect or a cooling effect. Yeah, because because of you know, it's, it's very complex, and I won't get into it today. But and also you know the conversation about. Notion about how doubling the amount of carbon dioxide each, you know, as you add carbon dioxide to the atmosphere, it has a it has an inverse relationship that's that's logarithmic. In other words, if each molecule you add has half the effect of the previous one, so it's not like it stacks up that way. And hmm. and there was a conversation yesterday that basically you can't double the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere because it's it is it's pretty close to saturation point. So any any effect you'd have would be immeasurable. You, you wouldn't be able to measure it. Hmm. And for all of this, all of this hype, you know, we're we're destroying. If you destroy our energy systems, and and we make energy more costly and, and less less available, who's going to be hurt most? It's going to be the people who least afford it. That's right. It's going to be the the people. It's going to be those you know. Some uh, northeastern uh, grandmother sitting there, freezing to death with her cat, yeah. and uh, with no way to heat her home. You're not going to, not going to heat it with windmills. So, 
It's it's insane. It is insane, Professor. I mean, it's not like we don't have real problems. We're focusing on climate change, and we've got all kinds of predators, the Chinese, and all kinds of things going on right now, and also domestically, and we're kind of destroying our economy right now. It's just sad to watch. I really appreciate your commentary. I do want to remind our listeners of your book, what makes humans truly exceptional by Larry Bell. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, it's fun, and uh, I appreciate your invitation. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did and learned a lot. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, We'll visit with Seton Motley. Seton Motley is the founder of uh, and president of Less Government. And our former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. Really look forward to that. Always appreciate your thoughts on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.